1: Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Teddy Cahill. Thank you for tuning in uh, to today's Baseball America podcast. Our podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BASHIP. That's BASHIP to save 20% off. Teddy, we're uh, here to talk about the A system today. And a uh, big reason wanted to uh, bring you in is you are the Florida specialist. And the A's have been uh, pretty uh, pretty prominent in scouting Florida the last uh, last couple years. We want to start with their number one prospect, A.J. Puck. Uh, I think we've seen the A's over the course of a couple years. that They went to Florida in 2016, drafted Richie Martin with their first-round pick. Uh, 2015, I should say. That one did not work out. Um, It has not been successful in the eyes of any evaluator. They go back to Florida, bring out A.J. Puck, and he shot through the system. You know, Puck was a guy that was considered a potential number one overall pick, fell to sixth, uneven, uneven junior year. But since he's come back into pro ball, I should say, he's looked like he should have been the number one overall pick in that draft or close to it. What was your sense of puck, and you know the validity behind him falling? Just as as that all happened uh, during that junior year in Florida,
2: and, and how he's come back now. Well, the whole time, I mean, I understand why he fell. You know, you look at his uh, his junior year; it was it was rather inconsistent, but. Um, the whole time the tools never really changed you know he just wasn't locating quite as well and the other thing about that team was Florida had you know this incredible rotation of Logan Shore, A.J. Puck, and Alex Paedo. so it's two first rounders and a second rounder and then Dane Dunning was hanging out as a swing man and there, there's another first rounder there so that allowed Kevin O'Sullivan to be pretty aggressive in some of his moves. And basically it wound up being that Puck and Dunning were essentially like tandem starting for a while. And, you know, if they didn't have Dane Dunning, I think AJ Puck would have been allowed to work out of his jams a little bit more often, as opposed to just like, well, his pitch count's kind of running up there, like let's let's get him out there out of here because we can afford to do that. Um you know, so I, I just think that some of the inconsistencies um, that existed may not have existed um, in a different situation. So to see him have success, uh, definitely not surprising. He had plenty of success at Florida, uh, you know, even during that season. And, um, you know, I mean, th- there was a I, I understand the fall. The fall to six was a bit steep. And I definitely thought at the time and continue to think so that the A's really benefited from that.
1: Absolutely. You know, he started off this year with a lot of, you know, it was three four-inning outings. Then he went three and 2.1 and three. They didn't really let him get stretched out and start throwing, you know, five-plus innings until May. But once he did, I mean, by the end of it, he was going seven, a couple six and two-thirds. I think what was encouraging to me, you know, I saw him in the Cal League. And as I've said on other podcasts, he was as dominant and probably the single most dominant pitcher I saw this year in terms of when he was on. And then he went to double-A, and while, you know, there was obviously some more contact, to higher level. He was going pitching into the sixth and the seventh. He was still striking out over a batter in inning, ended up leading the minor leagues in strikeouts overall this year. I, you know, the control is something that is still never going to be his hallmark, but you see swing and miss stuff. You see the ability to pitch deep into games. You see the ability to roll over a lineup two, three times and handle any challenge thrown at him. I mean, to me, this is a guy that I think we're going to look back at two, three years, especially with some of the guys taken ahead of him in the 2016 draft and go, man, someone really missed the mark here.
2: Yeah, uh, and I just don't really understand why. What people are looking for, um, you know, these college starters, we expect them to— you know, at the top of the draft, it's just like they're expected to go out and and dominate for— you know 15 16 straight weeks no one expects you ever to do that at any other level of baseball you know in every level of pro ball you would be excused a poor start here and there but they it, it just doesn't happen for these these top level college starters they have to be on from the start of february until you take them in june and um you know as a result you know that y- you get you can get some some guys falling fido fell puck fell i mean and both the Tigers and the A's are really going to benefit from that. And, um, you know, A.J. Puck's going to be in the big leagues this year, potentially. You know, I, I, he has everything to needed to to excel as a pro player. I don't know if he's going to be a, an ace or anything. Um, you know, there are legitimate concerns. Uh, but he's got uh, the body's what you want. The, the fastball's what you want. The the, the slider was the, ridiculous. The slider's absolutely what you want. <laughs> you know, he's... Uh, He's really good. And, um, you know, I think the A's have uh, a guy that can be a, a, an important piece of their, their pitching staff for, for, you know, a long time to come here. You
1: know, it's interesting.
2: The A's, you see the position players
1: they brought up the last few years. You saw Matt, Matt Olson come up last year. We saw Matt Chapman come up. They've definitely started to bring up some interesting young position talent. The pitching uh, has, has definitely been a shortcoming. They traded Sonny Gray, they tried to fill some holes here. I do feel like AJ Puck can be a guy, you know, one of the, a homegrown A's starter. And they do have a nice history of but one that can come up and really start. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to, like you said, lead the rotation as the number one, but you know, be that focal point, a guy that say, "Hey, we now we have this young lineup. We've continued to build and build and build." And I do feel like AJ Puck can be the guy. You can say, "All right, be the guy in our rotation that we build around two, three, four years." And whether it's the other guys that come up after him, you mentioned he'll probably be up first, but you have Jesus Lazardo. If James Caprillion can stay healthy, his teammate at Florida, Logan Shore, I do think you're starting to see the makings of a potentially impressive A's rotation. I do think starting in A this year in the PCL will be an interesting test for AJ Puck.
2: Well, I mean, the thing about that, though, is that he's going to be in a decent spot in the PCL. He's not going to be in one of these ridiculous not be pcl parks right. so um yeah i mean that where he is and that that whole division in the pcl is a pretty normal division um you know you got memphis and new orleans and, right you're um, not going to salt lake then reno then albuquerque yeah, it's it's the normal part of the pcl so you know i mean it, it, it is a challenge because it's triple a and it's a challenge because he will occasionally have to pitch in some of these more ridiculous pcl parks but the way it works like uh i, I think it's going to you know, it, it's not the same as having to go pitch in Colorado Springs. But, I mean, you also have – I mean, there, there's talent at the big league level, young talent at the big league level in terms of pitchers with uh, Jarrell Cotton and um, – Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman's still only going to be, like, 27 this year. Yeah. So, I mean – and, and um, you know, Sean manaya uh, they, they have some, uh, some intriguing pieces uh, running around. And, and, you know, in their ballpark, you don't have to be – Incredible, And you know. and also,
1: you get 80 games there. You get another 10 at Safeco, another 10 in Anaheim where the ball doesn't fly. There's definitely a lot to like about what's what's coming up. Moving off of puck, and look, I, I think it was extraordinarily clear. This is the number one prospect in this system. There was not a lot of debate. You have some middle infielders in Barreto and Mateo, uh, both of whom, you know, Barreto made his major league debut last year. Mateo completed tri- double-A, going to triple-A this year, might be around in the majors, but Dustin Fowler is an interesting guy to me because obviously we saw him make the major leagues and then in his first game, destroy his knee in a horrific accident. The A's acquired him anyway in the sunny gray deal. You look at the A's lineup, their situation, center field, there's a little bit of an opening. I Just overall, I mean, when you see an injury like that, a guy like Dustin Fowler, who by the way, was an 18th round pick, zoomed up, was getting higher, you know, grades on him than Clint Frazier was in the Yankee system. Tremendous story already. You see an injury like that. Any thoughts? I mean, especially because— I I just don't understand
2: how anyone is, you know, that's the most difficult player, I think, to rank in the whole book. Um, You know, and I say that as the guy who wrote the Indians chapter and dealt with Brady Aiken. Um, you know, I, I don't know how, how you handle Dustin Fowler. And, um, you know, it was interesting to see him get traded after that happened. Um, you know, I, I it's going to be very interesting to see how he comes back from that because it wasn't just your typical knee injury. You know, I mean, I, I think we all can handle, you know, an ACL tear. Um, you know, we understand what that means. And I think the players understand what that means. Um, but what happened to to Fowler was a little more than that. And so it, it's just gonna be interesting to see a player who uh, was at least partially part of his game is is built around his his legs. You know how, how what does he look like when he gets back uh, to to full health? and how long does that take?
1: Yeah, you know when we talk about the injuries. that's been one of the more interesting subplots to me of the A's and kind of the group they've they've put together here. A lot of them have injury histories that are a little bit concerning. Um, you mentioned We mentioned Dustin Fowler. Jesus Lizardo is a Tommy John guy. Sean Murphy, one of my personal favorite prospects, was hurt a lot in college, dealt with injuries last year as well. James Caprillion has had a lot of health issues. We saw um, we saw Logan Shore miss some time last year with a lat strain. Dalton Jeffries had Tommy John. I mean, six of their top 13 prospects have all had significant injuries. I guess... When you're – you know, what's your thought on just how much risk there is there? Because to me,
2: that's – it's pretty it's pretty mighty. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – you know, they, clearly they were willing to uh, to accept some of this risk. Um, you know, some of those guys that have injury history, it's not really like uh, – you know, uh, Sean Murphy's not a chronic. Like, that, that's not a – that's right. not a, a, a huge concern going forward. But just to see – what they did over the summer in, in acquiring a couple players who had had significant surgeries, um, you know, clearly, um, the A's, you know, had access to, to medical records and all that, you know, they could review that and all, all the rest of that. But I mean, that's to, to take those players on in the sunny gray trade, um, you know, is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a different strategy and maybe they, they felt like that gave them access to a, a higher level of player, um, than they normally would have. But, uh, it, it is not without risk, and, and you know it, it'll be very interesting to watch how those guys uh, come back and, and rehab.
1: I think one thing with the A's that, and look, it's a product of the fact that hey, they have traded away guys year after year after year now, and so you expect there to be some talent in their system. One thing that I don't want to say mitigates it, because anytime you have six of your top 13 prospects with injury history concerns, nothing really mitigates that. But you go and you look. Number 12 prospect is Grant Holmes. Number 14 is Sheldon Noisy. Number 15 is Nick Allen. Even as you get into the teens, there's still some talent, like legit talent here. I mean, Noisy and Holmes both have big league futures, you know, av- you know, solid average big leaguer grades on them. Nick Allen was, you know, he was a fourth-round pick, but he got first-round money. I uh, mean, this is a guy that most people felt was one of the most gifted defenders in the entire draft. Kevin Merrill is another very highly touted shortstop. I guess I do kind of want to start a little bit with just the depth of the system. You know, Greg Dykeman is another guy you covered. Uh, They went college heavy these last two drafts a little bit, but between, you know, seeing Dykeman and Jeffries, uh, what's your
2: overall sense on, on the caliber of these college guys, the A's have been picking? Well, I mean, I, 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 Really liked what they did in 2016. You know when they went out and grabbed uh, Puck and Shore and Jeffries all at the top. You and know, then Murphy are, was
1: their third round. Yeah, team.
2: I mean, but the, those three guys were all. They all pitched for Team USA. Um, and you know, if you pitch for Team USA, you know, as a as a if you pitch for the USA Collegiate National Team, I mean that that is a significant thing typically. And, and that summer's pitching staff was incredible. And, and they went out and they got three of those guys. I mean, I think that all three of them uh, have the potential to move quickly. Obviously Jeffrey's got, is getting slowed down by injuries, but, you know, those were three reasonably polished players already. Um, and, you know, and honestly the, the least polished of them was probably the one they took first and he had the biggest upside. So, you know, those are, those are some big time guys. And, um, you know, Murphy is, you know, just a, you know, this was a, a he has an incredible growth as a player just during his college career and I think people have been pleasantly surprised by him in pro ball. Um, you know, I think people that follow him closely at Wright State are less surprised. And then, you know, in, in Greg Dykeman, um, you know, that's an All-American, uh, huge power, uh, some, you know, questions about where his best defensive fit is, but, you know, he really made some strides at LSU defensively. So, um, you know, I, I think they've done a good job of attacking these kinds of uh, college players that... Uh, you know have a chance to continue to get better in pro ball but are also reasonably polished products already and you know obviously this is something that the A's have really uh, perfected over the last two decades. So you know I, they they know what they're looking for a lot of times and uh, you know I think in the last couple drafts they've done a good job at the, at the top end
1: you know it's interesting to me the 2015 draft was not a good one what Richie Martin, Mikey White, Dakota Chalmers, all guys who, do nothing for anyone nowadays uh, Sky Bolt um, again you know interesting guy but not a guy a lot of evaluators see as has a potential pro uh, major leaguer I should say but then you go to 2016 you mentioned that draft where they got those those four guys at the top Tyler Ramirez 7th rounder reached double A and held his own his first full year and they also went out and traded with the Nationals and they got two guys who were also really well renowned products in that 2016 draft in Jesus Lazardo and Sheldon Noisy. feel like the a's scouted that 2016 class really 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 well Uh,
2: i think the failure in 15 has more to do with the draft class they drafted very late that year uh you know they're drafting in the 20s for richie martin versus
1: six um
2: and uh you know if you look at the 15 draft class we wrote about it at the time we talked about it a lot of the time it wasn't good and it had that that evaluation has held up Um, You know, I went through and I graded, you know, all the drafts, Um, you know, in in the prospect handbook, we have draft grades for each of the last three drafts uh, before this year, uh, which it's too early to put a letter grade on. So I I did that this year and um, doing it for 15, there were a lot of bad grades to be to be had. And uh, that really is, you know, I mean, you can maybe make an argument that that. That, that that draft should be graded on a curve. That's how bad that draft was. <laughs> uh, so in 16, obviously, they bounced back well. They, they did a good job, um, you know, getting some guys. And, and, you know, it seems like they've – you know, those guys have, have had pro success. I mean, that, that was a lot of the team at A this year that, um, you know, was so good at Midland at the end of the year is, is players from the 16 draft class. You know, a guy – we mentioned 2015 draft class um, not being a good one.
1: One guy who a lot of people liked – had a really good career, was James Kaprilian. And we hit on him earlier, and he just has not been able to stay healthy. We've seen it year after year after year after year. He's played eight games since he was drafted in 2015 as a professional. If James Kaprilian gets right, what do you think he can be?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a big league starter. Um, You know, He's a, a solid player. Um, I don't know it's just been so long since anyone's seen him Um, you kind of just almost at this point have to throw out everything he's done in pro ball Um, and you know I mean it's not like his injuries have been extensive Um, you know it's a it's a pretty cut and dry deal there Um, you just have to get him back on the mound and I'm going to be interested to see what he looks like this this season.
1: And you know another guy who you know we talked a little bit about earlier, but um, you know we talked about puck, we talked about Shore a little bit. Dalton Jeffries was the other first rounder, 2016. Had Tommy John this year. What can A's fans expect if he comes back as he was?
2: He is um, he's a little undersized, uh, but he's got just a really good feel for pitching and a really, really good change up. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's another guy that, um, you know, once he's healthy, he should be able to move pretty quick. Um, you know, we'll see what that looks like. I mean, given the fact that you, you got to make sure that they're all the way back and Indians limitations and all the rest of that. But I mean, I, I would figure that Dalton Jeffries is a, is a guy that can make pretty quick work of the minor leagues um, just based on what he was able to do in college uh, and, and the polish that he comes to pro ball with. There's a little bit of an expectation that closer might be in his future. Do you think that's more likely? I don't see that. I mean, like, could he go to the bullpen? Absolutely. I mean, he, like I said, he's undersized. I don't see a closer. Um, I mean, to me, I, like, I, I've never seen it in the bullpen. Um, I don't know exactly how high it would play up, but I don't think he is a closer fastball, not not in 2018.
1: So he's not blowing one-on-ones?
2: I, I, I no. um, you know. You know, you throw A.J. Puck— out there for one and let him blow it out you know he's gonna you know throw you a 99 uh at least but like i don't i don't think that dalton jeffrey's gonna gonna do that for you so you know i, I think he's one of those players that's you know obviously everyone's more valuable if they're a starter but like he it would very much behoove everyone if he can stay in the rotation
1: you know we keep talking about these right handers logan shore was a guy this year and i, I had the cali coverage and everyone was just very underwhelmed by him this year. Uh, did not make our Cal League top 20. Now, this was a very, very strong year in the California League, so it's not the worst, you know, indictment in the world. And he was sort of at the back, you know, in consideration. But I think what was the deal with him was everyone saw a fastball that was was down a little bit. It was not, you know, I think some people were hoping it'd 92, 94, it would be 92-94. was more 90-92. He would get to a four, but it wasn't consistent. And most concerning, I think, for a lot of individuals was his changeup. That was his plus pitch. That was what he was known for. And a lot of managers and players and scouts I talked to said they saw his changeup as average-ish. I mean, they would just run off five guys who had better changeups. He was hurt by a lat strain, and he got a little better at the end of the year after he came back. So you almost have to wonder how much that effect had on him. But
2: Again, how much concern would you have about Logan Shore, if any at all? To be honest, I was—I'm not surprised by any of the reports from this year. I was surprised by the reports that he was throwing harder a year ago. Um, you know that—that that is, you know that was the Logan Shore reports that, that surprised me—that he got into pro ball and was suddenly throwing harder. That wasn't the Logan Shore we'd seen for three years in Florida. I think what you saw this year is Logan Shore, um, and people have to. Figure out that that's a, still a really good pitcher. I mean, the changeup concerns that that does concern me a little bit because that was, um, you know, his real separator. But you know, he's not a guy that is supposed to be throwing 95. That that's not who Logan Shore is. I don't think that's what the A's intended him to be when they drafted him. Um, you know, and I I think that he had a, a solid year for them. Uh, you know, there in the in the Cal League. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't, you know, blow your doors off, but that's not Logan Shore. Logan Shore is not supposed to be a one or a two. That's why he was drafted in the second round. So, um, you know, I, I think people getting concerned about Logan Shore are maybe reading too much into those initial pro reports from my perspective. Yeah,
1: I mean I think it's just for me it's it's the the changeup. You want to see, you know, if it's supposed to be a true plus pitch and it's not playing against guys in high A, I think that was where the, the main concern was. But Again, you know, he only threw 72 innings. I, I will be really curious to see how he comes back. You know, went to the fall league again, was not great there, gave up 35 hits in 24 innings. Again, he does not have. But an 18 stuff. to 2 K to walk ratio. Right. So it's sort of, again, it's he doesn't have the stuff to blow you away if he misses his spot. But if he hits his whole vote, the strike zone, and maybe just everything gets a little firmer, good things can happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, that to me is Logan Shore. And. You know, again, the the 94s, that was, you know, maybe he gets back to it, maybe he doesn't, but, you know, I mean, that's not what we saw from him as an amateur. So um, he is, I I don't think that he's a, you know, a front-line pitcher at all. Um, And I, you know, I love Logan Shore. He's a fantastic pitcher, but he's, uh, I I think you have to, I think people would be better suited if they kind of were, were looking a little more at what he did over three years at Florida versus what he did uh, when he got into pro ball initially. All right, Teddy, so I have to put you on the spot a little bit. We've seen the A's
1: trade a lot, and I mean a lot of talent over the years, to refill the farm system and try another version of the rebuild. Franklin Barreto, Jorge Mateo, Jesus (laughs) Lazardo, James Caprillian, Grant Holmes, Sheldon Noisy, all in their top 15 prospects, all acquired by trades. Of all the guys they acquired in a trade, who are you
2: most high on? Who do you have the most faith in? I mean, I, it's got to be Barreto for me. Um, there's just extensive track record there. The hit tool is, you know, what his whole deal is. And, um, you know, I think there's a little more certainty there. I, I know that he's lost a little bit of prospect shine since they acquired him. Um, but I, I feel like that was just going to kind of be a natural thing anyway. I mean, when, when you do look at the profile, it's not the kind of profile that we really, um, you know, go crazy over, uh, you know, especially given the position question. Um, but, I mean, you've got a guy that's already in the big leagues that's only 21 last year, play, played last year as a 21-year-old. Um, you know, so I, I'll I'll still ride with, uh, with Franklin Barreto.
1: You know, Two guys, and, and they're a little lower on the list, but I have sort of, I'm intrigued by thoughts about. The first is Grant Holmes. I, I saw him a good bit at Rancho Cucamonga, and it was interesting. He, he was never the guy, I remember reading some previous reports about what he could do, and that was not, none of them were correct. He was always, you know, 90 to 95, so riding life. he was not 98, but he's interesting because I, I do think this is a guy who's young, he's shown himself to be durable, I could see him ending up you know just being a quality rotation piece not a star not a guy you're gonna you know give the ball to if you have one game to win but you know strong he's durable he's he's got enough feel to pitch with two you know fastball and a power curveball there's something there you know went to double a this year and again the numbers don't don't jump off the page at you it's very young for the level He's handled himself pretty well. And the other guy is Sheldon Noisy. And, and both Noisy and Holmes are kind of bigger dudes. Um, they're not going to win any beauty pageants. Uh, Noisy in particular, when, he, when, I went to, when I went out to the Fall League, I, I think six one ninety-five is much lighter than what the reality is. At the same time, you see a guy who's always performed. He's always hit. Uh, he's continued to put the bat on the ball with authority. Did so after his trade from the Nats. And look, Ryan Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle were huge acquisitions for the Nationals. The Nationals had to have them, and they did. And I don't think they should regret trading Sheldon Noisy and Jesus Lizardo. But at the same time, I can see both those guys, and especially Noisy, maybe even uh, making more of an impact than initially thought in Oakland.
2: You know, that's an interesting one. Um, I've never really been quite sure what to think of Sheldon Noisy. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, like you said, he's he's hit everywhere he's been. He was a, a strong college player at Oklahoma. The profile is not ideal. And I, I just don't know where he profiles today. And, uh, you know, I, he played shortstop at Oklahoma um, kind of unbelievably uh, and he played it fine. But, you know, I mean, there's athleticism there. But, you know, I, I just don't know where he profiles. And, uh, you know, Oakland doesn't care where you profile. Like, that is, that is one thing about Oakland is that, you know, they, they don't care about what our what, – what when you open the handbook and it tells you what the profile is, they don't care about that. Um, you know, they'll play you wherever they, they can jam you into the lineup. And, um, you know, so from that perspective, I think he's in a good spot. I think they'll find a spot for him, but I, you know, I at this point I just don't know where that is. Um but that that'll be an interesting one to watch going forward. He does fit the the kind of player that they do um, do pretty well with. It's going to be interesting. You mentioned, you know, they have Matt Chapman at third,
1: they have Matt Olson at first. I don't know if there's a lot of face Sheldon noise he can play the outfield.
2: So I, I don't even know that he's tried it. I mean, he's, he's definitely not a better to... third baseman than Matt Chapman. So no. you're you're already looking at him as a first baseman.
1: Maybe you know, they've traded Ryan Healy. Maybe they DH him, but I, yeah, I mean, but that's gonna DH you know, that's not an ideal thing right. for that we're talking about a day. 22,
2: 23 year old player. Yeah,
1: no, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I, I will say that um, if he keeps hitting, he will definitely get a shot, and we'll see what he can do with it. Um, I mean, I
2: know they've they've put Olson in the outfield. So maybe that's the answer is Matt Olson plays left field and Sheldon Noisy plays first base. I don't know. I mean, I, I just pulled up his page. He's never played out of the infield. And yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I do know that if, uh, as Oakland looks this over, I, I know Oakland has looked at this, I am sure. And I'm sure they've thought about, can we put him in the outfield? Because Oakland will give you all kinds of positional versatility.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Teddy, just as we wrap up here, I mean, what's your overall sense of, of the Oakland Athletics as they stand today. This they there's clearly some interesting young talent at the same time they were in last place in the American League West yet again last year. There's some depth in the system. Just what's your what's your thoughts on Oakland and where they are overall?
2: You know, I feel like they're in an okay spot. Um, you know, as as they stand, I mean that division is tough and it's getting tougher it feels like um you know so you really have to be able to to come out swinging when you're ready to compete and they're not ready to compete yet for sure but uh you know i mean when you look around you see la spending the money they're spending and um you know obviously houston has the ring and um you, you figure that the texas will um you know rebound at, at some point here um you know it, it's not going to be easy for them as they come through this rebuild but i do feel like they've done a good job i mean surprise surprise they're good at trades uh, and they've done a good job at, at collecting talent. And, you know, as they draft at the, the higher end of the draft the last few years, you know, I think they're doing a good job there. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they're able to, to come up with this June. But I, I, I feel like, you know, as you know, these guys are, are progressing quickly, again, because, you know, they're, they're taking a lot of these college players and, you know, a lot of them got to double A pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I, I think within the next couple of years, you'll see them start getting up to the big leagues and. Um, you know we've already seen guys like Barreto reach the big league. so uh, it, it's a group that, that should be able to come reasonably quickly you know once they once they really get going
1: yeah i mean i think for me the way i look at Oakland right now with the group they've got in the majors most of which you know we mentioned came up last year you know Chapman and Olsen etc and the group they've got in the minors i i see what they're doing and i and i like it in general i don't see enough to say they're going to end up ahead of the Astros in two or three years. Depending on what happens with the Angels and Mike Trout, with the Angels system kind of ascendant as well, I don't know if I see enough for them to say, I think they'll be ahead of the Angels in three years. I do think that if the Mariners, have with you know as the years move on, and we'll see what the Rangers, but I look at like what the Rangers have right now, what the A's have right now, I like where the A's are at better in terms of two, three years down the road. So I feel like I could see them getting to third competing for a wild card. I don't see a group that I'd say they're going to be division champs in 2022.
2: The one thing that yeah, I, I think that that's all fair. Um, obviously, Texas has historically spent more money right. um, you know, so that they can plausibly uh, continue to do that and you know make up some of the, the gaps that exist or will exist. I will say one thing about the A's the system that isn't so great is that it does feel like they're lacking a superstar. You know, AJ Puck, you know, is is great. Franklin Barreto is solid, Matt Olson, you know, Matt Chapman, like these guys are, are, are you know, potent like they are falling short of that. They're really good, but to me, they're falling short of that superstar um, that you need to compete against the Astros, who have Correa and Bregman and Springer and all on down the Altuve, line. Altuve, your MVP. And, uh, well, it, by the time the A's are ready to contend, Altuve is going to be in decline, I would assume. But he's obviously proven many people were on before. Uh, you know, and, the, and the Angels you know, running around with Trout and Otani and uh, you know players to, like that, I mean, I don't know that the A's have those kinds of players right now.
1: It's an interesting, interesting thought. Well, we'll see what they uh, add uh, this year in the draft. And, hey, they picked up Austin Beck last year, who is – Loud and toolsy, and maybe he can grow into that. Yeah, we talked
2: all about all these college players yeah. that are polished. Austin Beck is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> so we'll see where that, where, how they are able to develop him over the, the next few years.
1: All right, well, that'll about do it here. Uh, for Teddy Cahill, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And uh, today's podcast, once again, was sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com for the best apparel in baseball. Enter the code BASHIP. That's ship to save 20%.
0: Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it.